Welcome to the Benefits Executive Roundtable, hosted by Dorothy Koshu, President of Advanced Benefit Consulting. Dorothy is a nationally recognized benefits and compliance consultant and group health broker. Here, you'll listen to industry experts break down the latest news and trends in employee benefits, healthcare reform, regulations and compliance, all designed to empower executive decisions. Hello everyone, I'm here today with executives at EBA and M Corporation, a claims administrator in Orange County, California. We have with us today Dan Baker, Director of Sales, and Marianne Wessel, who both, which I've known for some time, by the way. Um, Dan and I worked together at one time at a TPA in Orange County, decades ago, in the, ago. In the 1990s, I believe it yep. was. And Marianne and I have been friendly competitors over the years when I was in the TPA business for many, many years. And um, Marianne now oversees all of the account management functions at EBA and M. But it's interesting because Marianne and I, again, being friendly competitors, we both were, our, our jobs were to go after new business. And I personally went after a business from all the other TPAs except Marianne's that she was working for because I really had a high level of respect for her. So, and the good news is she didn't come after any of mine. So that was, that was good too. So um, I always like to refer to that as just a, a nice mutual respect we've had for each other over the years. And of course, um, over the last several years, full disclosure, I have used EBA A&M Corporation, um, not exclusively, but primarily as my third-party administrator for self-funded claims administration and other services as well. So welcome, both of you. Thank, Thank you. you. Good to see you again. It's great to be here, and I'm glad we can do this today. Um, first, I want to talk about your functions as a third-party administrator. We all know that your primary service function is medical self-funded claims administration, but can you tell us a little bit more about the other administrative services that you offer? Yes, Dorothy, thank you for asking. Uh, we also offer flexible spending administration. We have um, a cloud-based uh, system, uh, which allows people to use their mobile app to submit claims um, and to be reimbursed. We also do COBRA administration. And I think the interesting thing about both COBRA and Flex is that we not only perform um, administrative services for clients on whom we are the medical TPA, but we also can do COBRA administration and flexible spending administration for groups that don't use us for their medical administration. Yes, as a matter of fact, I think we've got a couple of those with you that, yes, you do. Uh, that are fully insured and we and we use you guys for the, the ancillary services. We're yes. also an administrator of MEC plans okay. and health reimbursement accounts as well. We've been doing that for a number of years now. Yes, great. Well, let's get back to the basics of self-funded claims administration then. What makes EBAM perhaps a little different than other administrators? Right off the bat, I'm going to have to say it's our private ownership. Um, EBAM was incorporated in 1974 uh, by Vern Gossen. We're, we're still owned uh, privately by the Gossen family. We believe that that private ownership is, is critical to our ability to, to successfully service our employer clients and our members. Not having outside interests allows us to stay in control of our own destiny. We're able to focus on the servicing of our clients rather than the servicing of venture capitalists or investors. And I think that's really important when you're looking at an administrator because it's it gets very difficult and very complicated when you're dealing with someone. You have to go through so many layers to get to the people that are making decisions. Yeah, and, we have to, and we have to double check and triple check with all the other parties involved. That makes, I have to tell you, because I've been in the TPA business, that, that, that's, that's kind of ugly. And as uh, a broker and consultant, when we're making recommendations to our clients, 
I look at that because again, multiple layers of ownership and you know, they own by a big mega corporation um, that are gonna make all the decisions. Uh, they think they can make them locally and then they get overturned when you're halfway through the implementation or something. That's, that's not pleasant to deal with as a broker or consultant, so. That's right, it really allows us to collaborate with you, the broker. Yeah, yeah, you guys have authority on what you're doing when you say it and not having to go back and ask for permission. Exactly. So, <laughs> or ask for forgiveness, I should say. But yeah, I, I've always appreciated that. So do your employer contacts have direct access to their claims reps and their account managers? Yes, they do. So one thing that we um, really pride ourselves in is the fact that we have an account management team, not just a single account manager. So we have a, an account management team um, and we also, and that, that account management team is dedicated to each one of our self-funded employers. Um, our employers have access, the brokers and consultants like yourself have access to that account management team at, at all times. And we also assign um, claims examiners to uh, specific accounts. That way the claims examiners get to know not only you, the broker consultant, they get to know the HR people at the employer, and very often, probably most important, is they get to know plan participants. Yeah especially those who are dealing with some serious conditions and illnesses. And it's nice also when those people, when they are having issues, can call and talk to the same person each time. Absolutely. We try very, um, very diligently not to uh, reassign claims examiners. Um, sometimes we, of course, have to, but um, generally our claims examiners will tell you that they've worked on the same accounts, many of the same accounts, for years and years. Yes, and I know that, as a, as a matter of fact, I know that particularly well because we have clients with you, as I said, and they have had the same rep for many years, and they really do like that. Personally, because I used to work in the TPA business and now I'm a broker consultant, I appreciate it because not only is the claims examiner the same person, but and, and you talked about a lot of the other things, what makes that a good thing, but also keep in mind that for those listeners out there, each self-funded plan is designed completely differently, so the language is different. So when you have multiple people paying claims on that, they may not understand the little intricacies of the plan document itself and how the claims are supposed to be processed. Whereas you have a consistent person who's always paying the claims, they get those little nuances, those little particular you know, things that we've done to make that plan work perfectly well for that employer. That's a great point because, as you so well said, uh, Every plan, every self-funded plan we administer is different. Right. There's some consistency in that service as well. Yeah. The applying teams to, to these clients allows us to be very consistent with the level of service that we deliver. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's nice. Tell our listeners a little bit about how calls come in, the difference between provider calls and the difference between employee and employer calls. Yes, one thing that we do when we, uh, t when we write a new account um, is we provide to the employer and the broker consultant um, and if they want to of course give it to the plan participants that's fine as well we prepare an EBA and M staff directory this outlines the people here who are on the team servicing that particular account account managers internal uh, staff eligibility and when calls come in uh, they come in through um, through our main phone number of course we have both a, a local uh, area code and an 800 number, and provider calls go to our customer service department, which is fully staffed. Um, we do require our medical and dental and vision providers to first access um, an interactive voice response system where they receive via email or fax back um, a document which shows the benefits and 
confirms the eligibility for that particular plan participant. And then if they have additional questions, which they sometimes do, of course, then they are um, able to speak with a customer service rep. Plan participants, HR at the employer, and also you as the broker consultant, have direct access to the claims examiner. So as you said in the beginning, everyone you, you give everyone a directory list so they have the direct extensions they can dial right to their Absolutely. extensions. Yes. So the only... Um, the only quote-unquote queue is for a provider calling in. It's not, uh, you don't have to be waiting, waiting in line on a queue unless you're a provider and they go through the, because they have to go through those steps yes. uh, because of the claims process itself. We're receiving hundreds of provider calls each day, so it's yeah. important to have that IVR system right. to, to identify who's, who's trying to get to what department. Right. That's completely different from when a, uh, an employer is trying to reach you, the HR contact, as you said, or the executive uh, vice president or something like that. Uh, that handles the money for that account, or just the employees basically trying to get, as we talked about before, to their directly to their claims examiner. We also have what I think is is somewhat unique still uh, in this industry. We have a receptionist, yeah, and that is a full time receptionist, and that is important to us, uh, particularly if we have a plan participant who calls. Um, sometimes you have a spouse, or you have an older dependent child. Um, who needs to call and talk with a claims examiner or someone who can help them and may not know exactly who to go to right. as their claims examiner or an account manager. And so that receptionist can guide them. Uh, that, I think, is something that may be yeah, it's um, kind of a thing in the, the past, past yes. uh, but, but is very, very important. <laughs> I know us. I like it. I know I like it because they're so friendly when you do call in because I, I know the receptionist from their voices and so forth when they answer the phone when I call. Um, usually I dial directly to your extension, but if I don't get you right away and I need to talk to you, um, and I know you're in that day, I'll just go back to the receptionist and I'll say, can you find Marianne? It's important. I need her. And she'll go grab you. So it's, it's, it makes it really nice for people like me as well. Because yeah. we're, we're a little bit, you know, the power of being able to <laughs> dial zero yeah. and get yes. a live person, it's, uh -huh. it's invaluable. Yeah, it really is. The, the other thing I wanted to mention back to the interactive voice response system, the IVR, is um, while we, are, we have customer service uh, representatives available from 6 a.m. to 5 p.m., the interactive voice response system, as we call it, the IVR, is available 24-7, 365 days a year. So an urgent care provider treating uh, a child at 8 p.m. at night can access that system. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice to know that you can do that. Let's go back to something that you said initially, Dan. You talked about the ownership. Can you tell us more? Um, obviously, you're family-owned, as you said. Tell us a little bit more, give us a little bit more detail on why this is an advantage to self-funded accounts or prospects sure. or, or you know prospects and so forth. Oh, it goes back to something you said a few minutes ago about layers of management and mm -hmm. layers of decision. We really don't have that. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the management team here at EBAM has been together for more than 20 years. Mm -hmm. They have the ability to make decisions fairly quickly, um, uh, very accurately, and with our client's best interest in mind. As I said, not having uh, any financial interest on the outside, whether it be banks, venture capitalists, hedge funds, allows us to make decisions in the best interest of our company, in the best interest of the companies that we administer on behalf of. We think that, that that's something that's missing in today's administration market. Mm -hmm. Most TPAs have sold out to, right. to uh, outside interests. We haven't. And 
that ability to be in control of our own destiny resonates with our clients. Yeah, and also name changes. You haven't had to have any major name changes. No, it's been we, we incorporated in 1974 as Employee Benefits Administration and Marketing, or the acronym EBA&M, or even EBAM for that matter. Right. And that's actually like, I like that because when I'm researching TPAs, sometimes trying to find a TPA, um, you know, I can't find them because they've changed their name four times in the last exactly. 10 years. That's so, right. Yeah. That's it's, right. It's, so it's nice to know that it's been consistent and you don't have to worry about that. So tell the listeners how many offices you have and where. Four offices. Uh, here, Our headquarters here in Irvine, Agoura Hills, San Jose, and Portland, Oregon. Okay, great. But obviously, you can service accounts from all over. You don't need to be California-based. Uh, our membership's national. Uh, our employer base is national as well, although I would say it predominantly resides here on the West Coast and even in the California market, but we do have a national footprint. Okay, great. Sometimes brokers and, and employers need assistance in getting updated medical information, for example, on an ongoing claim, and I know that I'm kind of uh, moving into a different direction here, but I want to move into this because it's very, very important, particularly to employers and also to consultants, brokers, and so forth. Sometimes, let's say the excess carrier at renewal is going to potentially rate the group up because of an ongoing claim. Um, and the case manager, uh, the utilization review company, may or may not give us um, the full information that we might need to try to argue the, the rates on that claim. That, For example, the lasering. And for those of you that aren't aware, sometimes underwriters and stop loss will say your group specifics at $100,000. That's the risk that everyone self-funds up to. Uh, but they want to put a $250,000 specific on this person because it's an ongoing claim. So it's our jobs as brokers and consultants, of course, we want to do the best jobs we can for our employer clients to try to get that laser down or try to get it at the group specific level. One of the things um, that I've always enjoyed about EBAM is that, of course, we go to our case managers and we do, we get information, um, but usually they can't even start doing that process until we talk to someone here at EBAM, or that's at least what we always do. Tell us a little bit about your nurse on staff and how that works and how that can help in those types of situations. It is very important to us to have um, a nurse who is an employee of EBA and M. We are very fortunate um, to have uh, Dr. Elizabeth Kaushu. She is not only an RN, but she also has a PhD in nursing. She's a full-time regular employee of EBA and M, so she's not someone that we contract with who might not be available. Right. Um, we have have many situations, um, as you've described, where a nurse at a stop-loss carrier. Um, has evaluated the patient, ongoing treatment, prediction of future costs, um, and we might disagree with that. Mm -hmm. We might have a different perspective, and that's fine. So um, what, we, what we do at that point in time is we may have a conversation nurse to nurse, or our nurse in particular will uh, get into the claims history, um, may call and talk with the clinical pharmacist at the PBM, will call, pick up the phone and call the uh, attending physician. And it's, it's, it's interesting how a, um, who a nurse, uh, when a nurse makes a phone call to a doctor's office, um, it's amazing how often she is able to get directly right. to the doctor. I know, past, we can't. Past the nurses and past the, the office staff. Right. So this is very important. Um, and then there is that, um, that sharing of information with the nurse at the stop-loss carrier. And I've seen numerous situations where 
we have um, the result has been a lowering of the higher specific and, and, that and, the stop loss yeah. carrier has recommended. And then you know what? I can 100% agree with that because you guys have helped us out on a number of occasions with that exact situation. That's why I wanted to bring it up because I think it's very important. A lot of third-party administrators do not have a nurse on staff. And yes, we rely on case managers um, from the utilization review company and so forth, uh, and they do a great job. They do. But, but it's nice to have that internal person that we can go to to yes. say, can, can you find out exactly what's going on? And also the employer wants to know because they want a budget for this if this is going to be a larger claim. So it gives them a better understanding. And if you have a couple of medical uh, personnel involved, a couple of different nurses, it's never, in my opinion, a bad thing. And we have been very successful in getting those rates down to the point where we've been able to get rid of the lasers altogether or instead of $250,000 laser, maybe only an extra twenty-five dollars or $50,000, which is a big difference. That is a big difference, <laughs> a big difference. for the self-funded employer. In addition, our um, on-staff RN is able, on occasion, to get involved with individual patients, talking with them, counseling with them, uh, giving them some guidance on perhaps alternative providers that might be closer to their resident or their work. Just really a personal assistance from a uh, from an RN, which is valuable to plan participants. It really is extremely valuable. So tell us about your claim system. How much flexibility do you have in custom programming, specialized reports, billings, and so forth? Our claim system has a great deal of flexibility. We are able to accommodate pretty much any type of plan design, um, even with some provisions that are a little unique to a particular uh, employer. We have a lot of flexibility. We have, um, on our system, we have an in-house uh, person in the claims department who actually builds the plan into the claims system. And that's important because that's reports that are of the, of the processing of claims. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of flexibility. Um, with reports that are generated from our claim system and in fact we can create um, custom reports. We have, an, uh, we have a, a, a module that allows us to create custom reports which is good because once we have created a custom report for an employer we can certainly use that for, for additional employers. Right, because obviously sometimes if it's important to one it's probably going to be important to someone else. They may not have thought about it yet but it might be beneficial. One great example of a report is um, we created an urgent care report package that identifies um, uh, either with or without names, um, breaks it down by employee, uh, spouse, and children, so that they, an employer can look at that, evaluate that, and see if perhaps a telemedicine program mm -hmm. uh, needs to be implemented. Let's talk a little bit about billings, because self-funded employers um, most of the time have multiple locations, divisions, cost centers, things like that. And they want to maybe have their billings and claims reports and so forth broken out in certain, you know, to match those those uh, entities. Um, how can we deal with that? Yes, we have um, we have a great deal of flexibility there. In fact, most of our employers do want that separation, both by billing, with then which then allows us to have that same separation for claims reporting. Um, we have some employers who may have. 30, 50, 75 different cost centers wow. and divisions. Wow. Um, and our, our system is really is almost unlimited in that respect. That's, that's great. One of the things we're finding is that our clients and our consultants are now demanding um, a reporting package that goes beyond basic self-funding TPA reporting um, that gets more into the analytics of their health benefit program. Yes, and data analytics. Care data analytics is extremely important. I know a lot of my clients yeah. have asked for it. It, it really is. About a year ago, we entered into a relationship with Deerwalk, 
Deer Walk, what, what we found with Deer Walk is it's probably the most robust data analytics and health population management analytics tool that there is out there. Um, so about a year ago, we partnered with them. We're starting to roll it out now to our employers and our consultants. The feedback we're getting is phenomenal. So the one that I had done last year was we were a test or something? That's good. I mean, we got you to do were, it for the general public? You were one of yeah, one of you the were, first. You were, I feel so honored. You were, you you were, were one of the first. Deer Walk uh, uh, 1.0 for us. Um, but yeah, we, what we're finding is is that the ability to, to drill down at a granular level to both, uh, both our members and claims is very beneficial to the consultant community as well as to the employers themselves. And for those that might not be as familiar with it, basically what that allows you to do is compare it to compare all their data to benchmarks. Exactly Correct. right. Benchmarks, exactly right. At, at multiple mm -hmm. benchmarks too, uh, depending on where you're at in the country. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I, as I said, we've already used it and it's been fabulous. Yes. I didn't know it wasn't yes. fully, you know, <laughs> it's also, available yet. It's also a very visual reporting system. Yeah. You know, we have, we have looked at other systems through the years, um, uh, reporting systems, and um, while they're very good, they're very excellent, um, uh, not very visual. Mm -hmm. And DeerWalk uses a combination. They use they use the statistics, the figures, but they also use a lot of charts and graphs yes. and yes. where you can just get the results just just looking at that one page report. It tells a lot. It really does because some people like the numbers, other people like the pictures <laughs> and the graphics and that sort of thing. So I think it's great. Yes, as I said, being someone who's actually used those reports, I think it's very valuable. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about stop loss, uh, excess loss quoting. Do you do it for the brokers, or do they do it for themselves, or is there some sort of combination? It's, it's a combination of both. What, what we've seen in the last uh, number of years is that brokers and consultants are starting to take that on more themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, while we can do it, we, we provide that service right now for many of our clients and many of our brokers, with over a dozen reinsurance carriers, uh, and we're constantly evaluating that market. There's always new entrants to the market. Um, there's... Uh, updated underwriting requirements from existing carriers that mm -hmm. we that, that Marianne and her team have to uh, manage and keep track of. But new, new entrance to the market is very important. We placed a case with, with a new carrier uh, just this year that will remain unnamed, but an A-rated carrier, um, very aggressive and very competitive in the market. Uh, that's something that most brokers don't actively do. Yeah, that's um, true. They, they, what they'll do is they'll shop what they have access to now, but they won't look at new entrants in the market. Um, that's something that Marianne and her team uh, does very well. Yes, and, and for people like myself, on our operation, our organization, we do our own excess quoting, as you know. Uh, my business partner, Anthony, actually does that. Um, but from time to time, we might have a special circumstance come up. There might be a specialty excess market or something that we don't have access to um, or that we just aren't aware if there's a carrier out there that will take that type of risk. And on more than one occasion, as Marianne can attest, um, we've actually come to you guys and said, we don't have a market for this, do you? And luckily for us, in every circumstance, you were able to find excess carriers that we wouldn't have normally gone out to because we didn't know they existed. So yeah, that support's very important. Yeah, it really, really is. So is there a process if a broker brings a new stop-loss carrier to you that you don't have any experience with or that you have bad experience with? Let's say there is a situation where someone says, you know, we're selling this group with XYZ carrier, uh, we're really excited we got the best rates, they, they were 30% below everybody else, and then you hear who the carrier is and you just kind of go, oh no. 
Has that ever happened? And if so, what do you do about it? Yes, I think I think the positive thing, as Dan has said, is that sometimes our broker consultants can introduce us to carriers mm -hmm. um, that are out there uh, that we that we have not worked with, mm -hmm. and uh, um, that's a that's a great process because we go through the TPA due diligence and uh, approve. And it gives us an opportunity to use that um, that carrier, that stop loss carrier, on other business as well. We have had it doesn't happen very often. We did have a, one situation that I can remember a number of years ago, where a broker wanted us to place stop loss with um, with a stop loss carrier whom we had not worked uh, with in the in the past. We had heard some things in the industry because we keep our we keep right. our ears right. pretty close to the ground talking with brokers and consultants. It's a, and it's a small community. It's a small like community. We all talk. Yeah. Absolutely. We talked to other TBAs through our associations, etc. And um, so we we did some exploration. We we consulted um, our the FIA group who, who gives us you know quite a bit of outside mm -hmm. legal advice to see what what their um, what their records showed. And we ended up having a conversation with the broker. Who subsequently talked to the client about the fact that we really did not want to place the business, and and they were agreeable to that. Yeah, and we went on and found something else. Yeah, well, that's good, and I'm I'm assuming that that has a lot to do with the the trust level between you, yourselves and, and the broker consultant. That's traditionally fallen on the TPA. We continue to take um, that that trust. Uh, it's a very uh, important part of our relationship with the brokers, but. Yeah, at the end of the day, that that tends to fall on the TPA. Yeah, because if a claim doesn't get paid, then who's the bad guy? That's it's right. not the it's 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 not the employer. It's not the broker. They're That's they're gonna right. say, why didn't the TPA get this thing paid? So it's in your best interest, I would imagine, as well, to make sure you're working with stop loss carriers that aren't gonna make you look bad either. Yeah, correct. And it's important to us to not only maintain that in, that great relationship with the stop loss underwriter who's doing the underwriting but also with the head of the claims department at the stop loss carrier. Yeah. And we work very, very diligently to make sure that we, that we talk with them because when that difficult claim reimbursement comes along, that's when that relationship comes into the play. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's nice to be able to say, hey, help me here. Let's get this taken care of. Yeah. So do you sell directly to employers or do you only sell through brokers? No, no, 100% of our business is, is through brokers. Um, we learned our lesson from, from a, a carrier back in the early 90s that went direct to the employer market and quickly found found out about the power of, of our broker community. <laughs> yeah. Um, we would never go direct to employers for that reason. Um, we rely very heavily on the power, the influence, and the, the knowledge of the broker community. We'll continue to support the broker community in that way and look to the brokers to help us grow our business. That's that's great, especially from someone like me, since I am a broker and consultant. Yes. <laughs> we like to hear that always. So how experienced is your staff in all areas, not just account management, um, but I mean every across the board? And how many layers does one have to go through to get a resolution or if special assistance is needed to handle special requests? Um, the level of expertise, we do a lot of training here at EBA and M of our staff on important um, uh, legislative developments, um, things that come out of our federal Congress, um, security, um, everything that, that really would touch a self-funded account. Um, in answer to the, to the question about the layers, as Dan mentioned earlier, because we are um, privately owned, um, we Decisions are made here, and decisions can be made very rapidly. 
um, because we can get all the all the people together who need to discuss the various right. aspects. Right, and obviously they have the, the employers and the brokers have direct access to them to oh, the people that make the decisions. Yeah, it, it, it's it's important to note too that this teams work together uh, very closely for a long time. The average tenure of our employees is about ten years. Our management team is closer to twenty. So having that those years of expertise and and the comfortableness of working together um, translates well to yeah. our brokers and to our employers. And that's something we don't see very often in the market today. I, I can attest to that. What other administrative services do you offer? In the beginning, we talked about the fact that you did um, other things other than self-funded medical uh, claims administration. You did uh, FSA administration, COBRA administration, that sort of thing. But what about those other services that self-insured employers need, like plan document preparation, SBC creation, those types of things? And if you do do those, Types of services, is there a fee to, uh, to the customer for those services? We get very involved in the preparation of the plan document. Um, we're happy to work, um, as we have with you and your organization, Dorothy, in collaboration on the plan documents, mm -hmm. where um, we, we may review what you put together on both your plan documents and in your SBCs. Mm -hmm. There are, of course, brokers who rely on us to do the complete preparation of both. Um, with discussion back and forth with perhaps their legal compliance department. We're happy to, uh, and, and we do a lot of that plan document work. We don't, um, we don't uh, outsource it, we do it in-house. We think that that's very important um, because one thing that we can do that way is we can certainly um, uh, manage the timing of it so that there's not a delay yeah. in getting the plan, especially the plan document, of course the SBCs. Yeah. So we, um, uh, we prepare those on a regular basis. Um, we do not charge for the initial plan document. That's that's almost unheard of in this industry, by the way. Yes. You're about yes. the only one that doesn't charge. And as, as you said, we've worked together on a lot of them in the past. I used to write all my own plan documents myself, and you guys would just review them. Um, they've been more of a joint effort uh, as of late because of the introduction of reference-based pricing of and course. things like that. And I do want to say that your plan document preparation here and your person that's assigned to do that. She's wonderful, she's great, and she knows what she's doing. She's very cooperative, she's, uh, she's amazing. So I Thank just want you. to compliment Thank you on you. that. Well, I can't think of anything more important to an employer than that plan document, yeah, and, and to the broker as well. Yeah, it, it is the, the document by which we administer by. It's, yeah, it's a legal document, right. it's your Bible, basically. Right. Um, everything goes by that plan document, so it's probably the most important piece that you have in place for, for a self-funded health plan. And that's why we don't charge initially, because we feel that the time and investment with the broker and the client and, and our staff here, um, our account manager who prepares them, is worth it, because down the road, you are going to have less controversy, yeah. less gray areas um, in the claims processing and even eligibility. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think that's a good investment to make in an account as well. So let's talk a little bit about networks. What uh, networks do you offer and is there a minimum number of lives for these networks? Uh, with some of them there are. Uh, the, the number one network that we use right now that our employers use is Anthem Blue Cross. That continues to be our largest partner in the network space. And, it, and, and they do have underwriting requirements like a minimum of 100 eligible employees uh, in order to be effective with Anthem. I remember it, when they first started, uh, when you guys first had them as a, as a network, they required 250 lives, and now they've gone down to 100. They, which is, they which have. Is great. Anthem does not want to walk away from any business that they don't have to, so yeah. they, have, they have lowered that threshold. In addition to Anthem, uh, we've partnered with Cigna, we've partnered with uh, Multiplan and, and, and their top provider network, which is PHCS, mm -hmm. and even First Health. Yeah. Uh, in addition to those networks, we have non-networks 
programs like you mentioned, such as a reference-based pricing program, which uh, may we may put PHCS in on the provider side, on, on the professional side, but not on the facility side, right. where we will we'll go with a non-network approach. Right, which, as you know, we've done both. We've done full reference-based yes. pricing on some groups, and we've done combination of facility reference-based pricing right. and, and using mm -hmm. a network for the for the doctors and professional services. Yes. Uh, well, speaking of that, let's let's move on to that. Um, so obviously you have accounts with reference-based pricing because I know you have some we of do. ours. And yes, I know you had do. others in place before you put ours in. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that. How has it been working and is this a growing area for you? It, it, it's a growing area. Uh, we have a handful of groups that we administer those plans for now. We anticipate seeing that as a big part of our growth in 2020 and beyond. Um, as we move into that area, uh, the collaboration I think we spoke of earlier is, is very important. It's very important that the broker, the TPA and the employer all be on the same page with this. Um, we've, we've seen reference-based pricing. So we've taken over reference-based pricing programs that have been administered poorly, mm -hmm. uh, that have resulted in a very bad experience for the employer and for the employees themselves. So it's very important that, that we get all that right. Um, but we, we do expect to see more growth in that in, in 2020. From a service standpoint, Mary Ann can speak more specifically to how that's worked for us. As you know, Dorothy, because you actually experienced this on your accounts that are reference-based, the key is communication. Yes. The, the first level of, of having the HR um, staff, the financial people at the employer understand thoroughly reference-based pricing and then having, as you do, the employee meetings and not only the first year but the second mm -hmm. year and re-educating uh, new employees or employees who, who, who need that refresher. It's, it's, it's absolutely critical to that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Education is everything. If you don't educate them fully, it's going to fall apart. People have to mm -hmm. understand how it works. And you're right. You can't just do it one time. You have to constantly remind them because some people like me, I'm very healthy. I, other than an annual exam, I don't go to the doctor, but every five to 10 years, literally, I mean, so I would forget everything that was told to me, you know, two, three, four years ago by my employer. So I think you're right, ongoing education with every open enrollment meeting and maybe some, even during the year, some, some written communications or something, just reminding people how the plan works is always a good thing, but that's absolutely critical. We found that to be beneficial. Education throughout the plan year, yeah. both at the employer level and the employee level as well. Because the example you just gave, what you don't want to have happen is, at the time that you do need uh, services, mm -hmm. you don't want to suddenly uh, call your TPA or, 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 or talk to your HR department, your employer, and say, I forgot how to use this plan. Yeah. Yeah. And suddenly get bogged down in, in a week's worth of uh, re-education on right. how your health plan is supposed to effectively work for you. Right. right. So, yeah, that education is critical. Yes. We have internally as well, because of reference-based, because we've been a TBA for so many years, as Dan mentioned, and so entrenched in using traditional networks. And even though our staff, both claims and customer service, have a lot of longevity with us, you know, reference-based is something that That's is new, new to them. Yeah. Yeah. So we've... we've um, We've instituted a training session um, of the account managers here. We train our customer service and claims examiners on reference base. So it's a learning process because they also are the front line with providers right. and plan participants. And we want them to help 
particularly a plan participant who this is the first time they've used right. reference base. I know that I went into it, as you know, very gradually. I think I, I did my first seminar on it in 2017, which you were a part of. You were actually there. I invited you and some stop-loss carriers to join me on stage when I was a speaker for the uh, Orange County Association of Health Underwriters mm -hmm. on a panel. I brought you guys up after I explained what reference-based pricing was about. I asked you guys to join me up on stage so that you could talk a little bit more about it. And I also did an article, uh, published an article, a couple of them, back in 2017. It's funny because I talk to people about it now, and they say, you were talking about it in 2017? And I know you guys knew about it and were working with it before I was. So, um, it's, yes, it's been around for a while, but it took a while. Uh, to come west. To come west. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to have my clients come in when it was too early because I didn't know how the providers would react and so forth. So I took a few years, and some of my clients wanted to jump on it right away. And I said, let's wait a year or two. Let's give EBAM a little more experience with this, and then we'll jump on board, which is exactly what we did. But it's it's nice to know that it's finally coming around to the point now where it is working. So I'm and happy. and your presentation um, two three years ago at uh, at at the health underwriters. I just recently had a broker that we have had accounts with and work well with him, and he just recently called me and said because he attended that <laughs> and drove up from San Diego to attend. Really, okay. and he remembered it. Now he is interested in knowing more because yeah. he, his client is interested. Right. Yeah. That's it's. Yeah. People do put it in the back. They mm -hmm. kind of put it in the back shelf somewhere, and they pull it back off the shelf when when something comes right. up that they need it. So it's nice to have. Well, I'm glad that that was helpful. <laughs> well, let's move on. Uh, do you offer phone? You know, any type of um, online enrollment, phone apps, uh, online claims lookup, that sort of thing? Can you talk a little bit about the technology side of your business? Um, yes, uh, we do have an EBA and M mobile app, mm -hmm. which we um, implemented several years ago. Uh, a, a plan participant must first register for e our EBA and M online, uh, setting a username and password to be able to uh, to use the mobile app. But that mobile app allows the plan participant to carry their ID card on their smartphone. Mm -hmm. And um, with access to the EBAM online, they can go in and look at their claims, see if we've uh, worked on claims, completed them, uh, if they're in progress, and they can also get copies of their explanation of benefits and look at how their eligibility is set yeah. up, their and demographics. And I have to say, it's a pretty easy system. Um, my, as you know, my business partner goes on uh, quite frequently and, and you know just checks on things for clients and so mm -hmm. forth and their HR departments hey can you check on see if this claim is paid maybe it's for an executive or whatever see if the status is whatever and sometimes they don't have the time to do it or haven't figured out how to do it yet so Anthony mm -hmm. will go in and um, one thing that he always says that it's probably one of the easiest um, systems that he's worked with for you know claims lookup and that sort of thing. Good. So. EBAM online is, is another tool that we that is, is similar to what we give to members but this is, is really more for an HR department. Yeah. It gives an HR department essentially the same tools that we give members. Yeah, that's great. That's good. Well, um, I have a couple other things to talk to you about here, and selfishly, I guess, to some extent. Um, because I'm a HIPAA privacy and security consultant and trainer, I always have to ask this. You know I have to ask, how do you train your staff for HIPAA privacy and security? How do you protect from electronic breaches? Do you have a data recovery plan in the event of a natural disaster or other type of situation? So tell us, tell us just a little bit about your security overall. So it's important to us for HIPAA security purposes um, for our management level employees, particularly those in the IT department, to have that um, that have to have that access to a seminar mm -hmm. for an actual um, rather than a webinar where um, maybe questions are not as frequently addressed and, and answered. So we attend um, 
we attend your seminars, your HIPAA seminars, Yay. on a regular basis. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we, we require our management to attend every two to three years um, because we always learn. And then we, about two years ago, um, instituted a, uh, a, a mandatory mm -hmm. HIPAA training, um, a mini seminar right. of your version right. here in-house. Um, well, that, that full day s seminar is that I do, the full day training, is not designed for the, your staff. It's designed Absolutely. for... It's designed for managers. Management um, level. Management level, mm -hmm. yeah. For, the whole point of it is privacy work group members, fiduciaries, that sort of thing. It's for the IT managers. It's for the HR managers. It's for the, you know, the higher level people in the organization, uh, the privacy officer themselves, and that sort of Absolutely. thing. So, so that's why we yeah. think that in-house in training um, of employees and uh, certainly new employees who come on is, is, very, is very critical. And we actually have at the end of the mini seminar we have an exam Good for you. and we require our employees to pass that exam. You are good students. <laughs> we don't allow any employees access to, to any information unless they are HIP and PHI compliant right. with our policies and procedures. Right, and that's the best way to do it and I like the fact that you're doing it in-house like that and creating your own because you can customize that to your Absolutely. own operation and that's what I think people kind of drop the ball and then they take those you know 30 minute or one hour online courses and they wonder why they have problems that come up why sure, they have breaches sure. because people it's, it's not adapted to their organization and this way you can fine-tune it well it's law so we, we treat yeah. it as such yeah mm -hmm. yeah and we do in answer to your other questions we do have um, off-site um, regular storage with Iron Mountain mm -hmm. of our data and we definitely have a disaster recovery plan because of what we face with natural disasters, particularly here in California. Um, we, we have SOC 1 audits, and they require that disaster plan to see that in right. writing. Right. Mm -hmm. And for anyone that might be listening to this outside of California, what she's referring to is, obviously you've probably seen it on the news many times, we have lots of fires here and lots of earthquakes. Sure. Sure. So those things are things that you have to think about. And, when, and, and so absolutely. we have to, we can go to New Jersey where all of our, our climbs data is stored off-site and, and bring it up that way or with any of our other three offices if right. we have to. Right, which makes it really nice. Sure. <laughs> sure. Chances are they probably won't be in the same fire or the same earthquake. Let's uh, hope not. Let's, let's hope not. not. <laughs> let's, hope, let's hope it doesn't get that drastic. So if you had an ideal broker to work with, what would that broker look like? You know, it, um, the broker today uh, in, in our side of the industry has really taken on a lot more responsibility than they traditionally have in the past. Um, we're working with, with a, a highly educated, savvy broker today, um, a broker that is well-versed in self-insurance, risk mitigation, all aspects of managed care and employee benefits, um, the ability to, to be well-versed in, uh, in all those areas, but also as they affect different parts of the country. So, for example, um, Managed care programs and maybe disease management programs that we administer here in California might not be the same that you right. get in the middle of the country yeah, that's true. or even on the East yeah. Coast. So a broker that understands all aspects of employee benefits, self-funding, as they impact different areas of the country is very important to us. Um, but in addition to that, we, we understand that, that more brokers are moving into our space. So small group, fully insured brokers, individual brokers, yeah. even large group brokers, that only focus on the fully insured market, that understand there's great value in self-funding uh, an employer group. We're more than uh, willing to work with those brokers and help educate right. um, those brokers and their staff on how to properly self-fund an employer group. Yeah, 
And that's not an easy task. That is not an easy no, task. No, it's, re it's really not. There's a lot of moving parts. So yeah. uh, taking the time to educate a broker so that they can become very well versed in, in uh, all aspects of self-funding is really what we're looking for. Yeah. And we have those today. Yeah, of course you do. I know you have me. <laughs> I know a little bit about self-funding. You know, you know a lot about self-funding, but it is a, Dan is correct, it is, a, it is a success story for everyone when you have a broker who doesn't know the self-funded area, mm -hmm. wants to learn, is open and receptive, and you see that success and that knowledge and that, that gaining of that expertise, yeah. and it, it, it's good for all of us, it's yeah, good for and the I, employers and, and for us as a third-party administrator and for you as a broker right. consultant. And I do know for a fact that when they do need that education, they do need that assistant, they rely very heavily on you, Marianne, because of your ability to teach them. I like to Yeah, her like teaching credentials really come into play <laughs> yeah. uh, in educating brokers. Yes, she's actually a former teacher, which I had forgotten about, actually, until you reminded me of that earlier, and that's... We were kind of laughing about that. That's probably why we get along so well. It is. It is. <laughs> one of the many reasons. But uh, yeah, Mary Ann's one of our secret weapons. Yes, she really is. <laughs> so, lastly, uh, anyone listening to this podcast wants to get a hold of you, how do they reach you? ebam.com. It's that simple. ebam.com or call us 1 800 249 8440. That's perfect. And as we said in, earlier, they can simply just hit zero and say, can I talk to Dan can. or can I talk to Marianne? And they'll get you. Yes. Have a conversation with our receptionist. Yes. yes. A real receptionist. A real receptionist. That actually answers Who the has been here for many, many years. Yes. And she's great. <laughs> I really like her. So, Okay. Well, thank you very, very much for being with me today. And, and I really appreciate your being part of my podcast. Thanks, Dorothy. Thank really you for enjoyed asking it. us. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for compliance tips, cost containment ideas, new trends, and decision-making tools. This podcast is produced by Advanced Benefit Consulting, Anaheim, California. All views expressed are those of the host or interviewees and not necessarily those of Advanced Benefit Consulting. Information contained herein should not be construed as legal advice. We always recommend that you consult with your legal counsel as situations do vary. Ms. Koshu can be reached at 714-693-9754, extension 3. Toll free at 866-658-3835. Or visit our website at advancedbenefitconsulting.com.